Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 2298. Popular Myths About Compound Lifts Debunked by Science by Christian Finn of muscleevo.net. And I'm your host and narrator, Dr. Neil Malik. Hey there, happy middle of the week Wednesday and welcome back to Optimal Health Daily where I read to you from popular health and fitness blogs to help you optimize your health. Now it is the middle of the week and like I do every Wednesday, I like to share with you a bit of inspiration. So here we go. Quote, the individual who earns a million but destroys their health in the process is not really a success. Zig Ziglar. All right, and with that, Let's get to today's post and start optimizing your life. Popular Myths About Compound Lifts Debunked by Science by Christian Finn of MuscleEvo.net Compound lifts like the squat, pull-up, bench press, and overhead press work large numbers of muscles. They're a very efficient use of your training time, and I like them a lot. However, there are also a number of myths and misconceptions about compound lifts that have developed over the years. Here are some of the most common. Myth 1. Compound lifts are important for muscle growth because they boost anabolic hormone levels. Compound exercises like squats and deadlifts have been shown to trigger a short-term increase in circulating levels of various hormones, such as testosterone and growth hormone. However, there are more than a few question marks against the idea that the short-term hormonal response to training has a significant impact on muscle growth. In one study on this subject, researchers analyzed data collected from 56 men who trained with weights five days a week for three months. If the post-exercise change in hormone levels was important as far as building muscle is concerned, you'd expect to see two things. Guys with the biggest post-exercise hormonal response would gain the most muscle, and those with the smallest response would build the least muscle. But when they looked at the data, the researchers found no significant link between gains in muscular size or strength and the post-training rise in free testosterone, growth hormone, and insulin-like growth factor 1, or IGF-1. Drilling deeper into the results, the researchers divided their subjects into fast responders, meaning those who gained muscle more quickly, and slow responders, those who built the least muscle. They found that the hormonal responses of those who made the fastest gains in size and strength were not significantly different to those who made the slowest gains. Myth 2. Compound lifts are all you need for complete muscular development. Compared to isolation exercises, 
compound lifts do work a large amount of muscle mass. However, maximizing the development of a muscle requires the use of several exercises rather than just one. This ensures that all available fibers in a given muscle get a piece of the action, leading to more complete development of a muscle group. The quadriceps, for example, is made up of four different muscles, and a compound lift, like the squat, doesn't work all of those muscles to the same degree. Research shows that while the squat leads to high levels of muscle activation in vastus lateralis and vastus medialis, the leg extension preferentially recruits rectus femoris. In fact, three months of leg extensions performed three times a week saw rectus femoris grow more quickly than the other three muscles in the quads. You can't completely isolate one area of a muscle relative to another, and the potential shape and size of each muscle is determined ultimately by the genetic blueprint you were handed at birth. However, you can make the most of that potential by using different exercises to emphasize different sections of a muscle. Myth three, squats and deadlifts are all you need to work your abs. Some say that deadlifts and squats render all direct abdominal work completely redundant, since both exercises provide all the stimulation your abs will ever need. That's the theory anyway. However, the research tells a very different story. If you want a decent set of abs, squats and deadlifts aren't going to do the job, and you'll need exercises that work the abs directly. Here's why. When they toss the word core around, most people are talking about their abs. However, the term actually refers to a much larger collection of muscles, including the abs, that stabilize the spine, basically anything that isn't your head, arms, or legs. Squats and deadlifts do work many of your core muscles, but it's mainly the ones in your back, especially the spinal erectors, those cable-like muscles that run up either side of your spine. During the deadlift in particular, they work very hard to keep your spine in its naturally arched position. Power lifters have such well-developed spinal erectors mainly because of all the work those muscles do to prevent the spine from bending. In other words, squats and deadlifts are just fine for developing the posterior aspects of the core. However, neither exercise does much for rectus abdominis, which is the muscle responsible for giving you that washboard abs look. Dr. Jeffrey McBride, a professor in biomechanics at Appalachian State University, measured muscle activation in the abdominal muscles of trained lifters performing a number of different exercises. The results showed that squats and deadlifts, even when you're using a heavy weight that's 80 to 90% of your one rep maximum, didn't hit rectus abdominis particularly hard. A study of elite rugby union players shows much the same results. The researchers measured muscle activity in the abdominals during both the squat and overhead squat, as well as during various abdominal exercises. Once again, rectus abdominis didn't have to work very hard during the squat, only around 10% of its maximum. In fact, the researchers found substantially larger abdominal muscle activity during the plank, sit-up, and jackknife. In short, the claim that heavy squats and deadlifts are all you need for your abs isn't backed by the evidence. Even the humble push-up has been shown to work the abs harder than squats or deadlifts. And myth four, always do compound lifts first. Normally, you're told to start your workout with compound lifts. Lift the heavy weights when you're fresh and save the isolation exercises for later in the workout. 
If your goal is to get strong in a particular exercise, such as the bench press or squat, this isn't bad advice. However, if your main objective is to make your muscles bigger, the order in which you do your exercises is nowhere near as important as it's cracked up to be. In fact, there are some benefits to doing compound lifts later in the workout. For example, you might start out training your legs with the leg extension and leg press and finish off with squats. Doing it this way means that you'll have to squat with less weight because your quads are already fried. But that can be a benefit, especially if your knees or back give you grief when you squat with heavy weights. Lighter weights means less stress on the joints, which means less potential for injury. Best-selling author and bodybuilder Tom Venuto says, quote, As I've gotten older, more and more often, I do a compound exercise like squats last, or at least in the middle of the routine. I might pre-exhaust by doing leg extensions and or leg presses first. When I squat in that order, I usually have to squat less weight because my quads are fatigued, but that's the whole idea. Today, I'm constantly looking for ways to make a lighter weight feel heavier. It's not ideal for strength, but works great for physique training. You just listened to the post titled Popular Myths About Compound Lifts Debunked by Science by Christian Finn of MuscleEvo.net. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. I always love reading posts by today's author, Christian, because they always include published research studies to back up their points. In fact, I have a personal story about the first myth Christian shared. That was the one about certain lifts being important for stimulating growth hormones. Soon after I got my exercise physiologist credential, I hired a personal trainer. Now, you might be wondering why in the world I would hire a trainer right after I became certified as one myself. Well, it was because I wanted to see what other trainers were doing before I went out into the world myself. Anywho, one of the days was the dreaded leg day. Nothing but leg exercises for 45 minutes. After the session, my legs were so tired, I had some trouble walking back to my car. Now on my way out, my trainer said, now that we've worked your legs like that, you're going to produce more growth hormone, so you're going to get bigger all over, not just in your legs, but in all of your other muscles too. I paused for a second, trying to make sense of that. Then I made a mental note to look that up later. I didn't remember hearing about this idea of more muscle growth stimulation by working your legs in any of my exercise physiology classes. Well, as today's author Christian said, that whole statement was a bit misleading. Let's say working legs does stimulate more growth hormone and testosterone. Even if that happened, it doesn't automatically mean that more growth hormone production will lead to more muscle growth. It's kind of like how eating protein doesn't automatically create bigger muscles either. So let's not worry too much about which exercises may or may not stimulate certain hormones. Instead, let's aim for variety and, of course, consistency. All right, that'll do it for another edition of Optimal Health Daily. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back here tomorrow as usual. So I'll see you there where your optimal life awaits.